0: And now, on with the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome to We're Watching Here. We're watching here. This is Opinionated Movie Talk with Chris and Perry. My name is Chris Williams. With me, he is the Lennon to my Ringo. Perry Cyber, because I know the way that that template should go is he's the Lennon to my McCartney. But after watching seven hours of Get Back, I really aspire to be as chill as Ringo is. Ringo is uh, Ringo is a role model in
1: that that, that, that that's t- I mean, Paul's the role model, but that's unattainable. So he, Ringo, Ringo's the Ringo's the role model you can get to. Yes, and I'm and I, for the record, I'm I'm a Paul guy. So
0: we this is good. This is okay. Good. This is
1: perfect balance.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's just happy. <laughs> Ringo's just happy to be there the whole time. Like, Yes. Ringo making Paul's
1: stepdaughter laugh is the best moment. <laughs> the best sheer human moment in all nine hours of that.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's great. Also he farts and. Uh, the- <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we are finally, we're back and we are going to talk uh, about the Beatles today. We're going to do a little bit of hard days night, a little bit of get back. Uh, we've been promising this for a while. So. Thank you all for your patience. A little bit of housekeeping with this. Um, I'm sorry it's taken too long for us to get back. Uh, I started a new job. We had some sickness in our house. We had some computer issues. It's been like a a two-month nonstop storm. So, you know, Perry and I are both doing this as extra to our jobs. And so sometimes there's a little bit of hiccup there. But we've got a a good slate of stuff that I think we're going to get recording this summer that I'm very excited about. Um, How are you doing, Perry? I am good, uh, let's see, since the last time we
1: talked, my youngest got home from her first year at college, and, uh, so, uh, and the, uh, the oldest landed a really cool new job and will be moving out shortly. So I managed as long as I keep one of it home, I don't have to pretend I'm not an empty
0: nester. I don't have to pretend I'm not an empty nester. And that's <laughs> oh my, that's my entire psychological being, Chris. What's funny is I'm at the age where I'm like, how much longer till I'm an empty nester? Uh, <laughs> my, my kids are in the, you know, they're 10. So they are at the, uh, noise, noise, noise section. And, uh, but I'm sure there's going to come a day where I'm going to miss all the screaming and fighting and <laughs> crying, um, and also the screaming and crying and fighting from them. So, exactly, uh, wait, exactly. Um, but also, we also have big news in that we have our first ever live event to announce. Uh, this is something that we uh, started talking about. Earlier this year, uh, and I'm really excited that's going to happen, for those of you who live in the Metro Detroit area or want to just drive to the Metro Detroit area, uh, circle your calendars for Thursday, July 21st at 7.30 p.m. We will be at the Maple Theater in Bloomfield Hills. Uh, If you haven't been there, it is a great place to go see a movie. It's one of my favorite little independent theaters in the Metro area. Twice a month, they do something called Secret Cinema, Um, and the first time they do it each month, it's a movie from old Hollywood, Uh, and then the second time they do it each month, which is where Perry and I will be, is uh, New Hollywood. And so we just learned last week what we're going to be talking about. Uh, We are very excited about this. This is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, You can come out and see us. Uh, There'll be a little, I think, Q&A after, and um, yeah, I'm excited about this, Perry
1: very very and yes it is the secret cinema you don't get to know what the movie is we can't tell you uh uh, we we, i've been told we can drop subtle hints
0: yeah so So, look for those coming in the next few
1: months oh no i got one right up oh right i'm 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 gonna come out with one all right okay long long time listeners of the program i promise you it is a movie that has been mentioned at some point in one of our many episodes
0: that is true (laughs) that is true um, it, it is, of course, Clerks 2. <laughs> I, I, I God, was, how sad would that be if somebody drove all the way somebody, up for Clerks No, 2. even worse would be because I just finished a View Askew Universe uh, rewatch for my blog, I saw, which... I saw oh, my headline. God. Um, and I haven't seen... I have not seen Reboot. I, oh, I, my I, gosh. Just... I can't imagine the the sheer... And I I, I do want to preface this by saying... I enjoyed my View Askew Universe revisit for the most part. Um, I liked some of them more than I thought I would. I thought actually Mallrats, which we've talked about before. Um, I-, I liked it a little bit more this time. I still don't like it. Sure. Um, I thought Chasey and Amy held up nicely for the most part. Uh, I even like Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, uh, which is just kind of goofy fun. And I'm like, whatever. I, I laughed in spite of myself. From time to time, uh, it wasn't until Clerks Two that I felt like, "Oh God, this is the tr- the wheels are starting to come off." And there is a scene in Clerks Two that I really like that I wish he had made the entire movie um, near the end. <laughs> there, there's a scene that has a little bit of honesty in it, um, and then Jay and Silent Bob reboot is just uh, it's uh, yeah, Snoochie booches everyone. He's never come
1: close to making a good movie from Red State on he's nope. he just he's he's utterly lost it it's... he does not know how to make a good movie anymore
0: and what's sad <laughs> is i still i still root for him i like i keep hoping like like there is a part of me going yeah maybe clerks three will be it he makes a fabulous podcast he he does he's an
1: incredibly entertaining speaker the stuff that went uh, out that was on youtube of him speaking about bruce willis fantastic and I, i'm not being sarcastic I mean, i'm not not because he took shots you know, with all the news that came about Bruce Willis, he had some really lovely, lovely things to say. And it was great.
0: Yeah, he's a, he's a likable guy. I've seen one of his Q&As and I, I really enjoyed it. Um, But maybe... Maybe movie making is just not his thing anymore. And um, that is fine. But speaking of speaking of great podcasters, uh, we are back with this episode and we actually have a jam packed slate. Like I said, we're going to be talking Beatles in a little bit. Um, We're going to get to what we've been watching in a little bit. Uh, But we had the rare thing happen today when we were planning things out that I think we both had the same we're watching here pick. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, you mentioned it and I was like, oh, I would love to talk about this because I was so curious to hear what you thought about this movie. Um, so, Perry, what, what is the movie? That, that we we to- are going to talk about the Daniels, Everything, Everywhere,
1: All at Once. The yes. best titled film of quite some time. Uh, this, of course, is the uh, I guess we call it the the uh, multiverse action comedy <laughs> that set a box office record for dropping zero percent box office between its fifth and sixth weekends Mm. (laughs) out there people are going to this this people
0: are going to this movie chris how great is that oh it's awesome i know i I mean this is first off this is the good multiverse movie this year yes Um. it's yes that's (laughs) I was going to say something meaner. Yes, that's absolutely uh, true. No shade to shit. Sam Raimi, who I, I did enjoy a little bit of the Doctor Strange, but <laughs> oh my gosh, if you've seen everything everywhere all at once and then you go into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, you just wonder how did this get so tame? Like they, they, how could this concept be so conventional? <laughs> it's because you've just seen it done so well. You What, it, what I
1: love about it above all else, it, okay, not above all else, it absolutely puts the lie to all of Marvel and all of DC. The problem with the multiverse, much like with, with uh, once you introduce time travel, there's no stakes, mm-hmm. There's no stakes left. No, nothing is on the line. Everything can be different at any point. And this fashions a story in which that's not the case. <laughs> You're still invested in what's happening in the universe you came into but what's going on in all those other multiverses matter. And it's yeah. how you can harness the power of the universe to be better in your universe. Yes. That's really great. This is the movie that Christopher Nolan and the Wachowskis have been trying to make.
0: Yes. And haven't come close. Yes. I. When did you see this? Did you just see this recently? No, or... a few
1: weeks ago. We, okay. just, we, okay. had, we haven't, you know, we we've been sadly unable to speak to each other much so yes it's i've been with it for a few weeks and was eager i knew how much you loved it and so i was i was eager to talk about it with you here
0: yeah i saw this uh this was actually my first press screening back in years like i had taken a few years off doing press screenings nice i actually saw it not too far from you the screening was at the uh the Rave in Ypsilanti. No, it's a Cinemark now, in Ypsilanti. Wow. Um, I, I I drove all the way out there because I had heard such good things about this movie. And uh, fun story, too. I walk in and I hear, uh, hey, Chris. And I turn around and it was friend of the podcast, Nate Adams. Who awesome. I had never met in person. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> so, so I got to meet him. And then, yeah, I, I saw this movie and I, I don't know. Like you, I remember when you saw... Um, don't look up and you were telling me about that and and your comment was that it was your favorite of the year and you were pretty sure it would end up on your best of the decade list i don't think i'd see 10 better films this decade okay yeah that is how i felt about everything everywhere all at (laughs) once um i left and you know for those of you who don't do like criticism or anything there's usually a screening rep outside the theater when you go see a screening who they want they want your thoughts which are a horrible time to get your thoughts but whatever they walk out and i just ran up to the person and i'm like i have not felt like this since i saw the matrix and eternal sunshine of the spotless mind and mad max fury road and it's just such a it's a movie that attempts so much and pulls it off and yet it's also about something like there it really is, there is something that it is trying to say, and it says it beautifully. I, I think it is just a wonderful cap. Oh, hopefully not a capstone, but a wonderful moment for Michelle Yeoh, who is phenomenal. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I'm forgetting the kid. I, I just want to call him Short Round, and that is really bad. Um, who plays her husband? Who?
1: What, yeah, I, I won't. Play oh his name gosh, it. yes, he's wonderful.
0: My, my apologies to him, but I haven't seen him on screen in years, and I, it was so good to see him uh yeah this is a movie that does things that should not work and you know i i it might be a spoiler by now but it's in the trailers if you can make people who have hot dog fingers move me (laughs) like that that is a weird and beautiful thing that you can do (laughs) it's uh, here's here's the experience i
1: had i mean i it's it's thoroughly enjoyable Mm-hmm. I just, in the moment, it is a thoroughly enjoyable movie. And then it took me like a few days to realize how deep it goes. It's a very yeah. philosophical, profound film in a lot of ways. And I was I was overjoyed because I am one of those few maniacs who really liked Swiss Army Man. I like the Daniels. I like the sensibility. Okay. I, I like the sense of humor. Uh, and you can see that they have bigger issues on their mind they are not just showing off it's got there's got to be a reason for it uh and they are uh this is this is something (laughs) yes and i mean that in the best way i I am so glad that people are going out to see it uh i cannot yeah and i i it's the kind of thing where if this had come out in late september there would be there'd be an awards run for it Mm -hmm. it would catch catch it at just the right time it would need a little bit of time to develop but if they had it i'm worried it's too early now but if it turns out to be you know one of your typical years where there's no good roles for women in hollywood yes michelle yao is going to get nominated yeah and the screenplay deserves to be nominated
0: (laughs) oh yeah it's it's i can't see another film coming out this year that is gonna like knock me off i will be thrilled if that happens if there's another film good enough to make me feel that way but uh (laughs) and it is it's just so great also like to see this movie doing well like yeah it has been such bad news if you like original movies to see what's kind of sinking at the box office what just gets left to flounder on streamers um and to just see it's you know and again uh, this is always my disclaimer i like marvel But to see Marvel movies constantly be the only thing people are going to see, Uh, and then you get this this thing that hangs on, and there's a few other movies that have done okay to make you think, oh, we might be okay if they can get more movies out here, we might be back to the movies. And uh, indeed, I, I I really like this and yeah i i encourage everyone to see it and the nice thing is i learned this after we chose to talk about this it actually hits amazon and itunes for purchase this week so if you can't get out to a theater to see it uh, which i would recommend i saw it on imax i loved seeing it like that but uh it is available to watch at home starting this week it'll be on dvd and blu-ray in june uh that is everything everywhere all at once um I feel like that might be one in a few years to unpack in a full episode, but uh, for right now, I'll I'll leave the surprises to you guys because it's just there. There's there's so much to discover in that that is so weird and fun. And I will say one more thing about it, and that is for those of you who were uh,
1: devotees of Roger Ebert and his uh, his thing where he would uh, he would show a movie frame by frame
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: with a group full of people and authoring people, and anybody could choose to yell out to stop. And then they would discuss what was on the screen. You could do that with this movie. You absolutely could. <laughs> you, could do it. you could do yeah. that with this movie.
0: Yes, you could. Um, Roger would have
1: loved to do that with this movie.
0: <laughs> there are some times where I th- I really miss him because I'm like, what would he have thought about this movie? And this is definitely one of those ones where I thought, what would Roger <laughs> Ebert think about this one? Um, so that's everywhere, everything everywhere all at once. It's out in theaters right now. You can watch it at home. Uh, we are going to move into a, what we've been watching, but we're doing something a little different this week. It is all TV. Uh, this is a good time for some good TV. And um, yeah, what, do you want to go ahead and go first? Maybe we'll just switch off. A few. Sure, sure. I'll go first on this one. So
1: uh, been a, there's been a lot, of re- just an abundance of really good TV in the last three months. Uh, and I am going to, I'm going to plant a flag. I'm going to take a stand. Uh, boy. Whatever Adam McKay's doing, it's it's hitting me right now because boy is <laughs> winning time, the rise of the Laker Dynasty, one of the most entertaining things I have watched in forever <laughs> as far as episodic TV goes. Uh 10 just righteously incredibly funny and entertaining hours of television. Uh that I cannot wait for I can't wait for what comes next. There'll be more, and I, I look forward to it. Uh it, it's just this righteously entertaining telling of this story and that I I love the fact that it would work if you know nothing about if you don't know the real story it's fine because this ain't history uh, if you've been paying attention to the press on this there have been a lot of people who are not happy about how they're portrayed in this series and all I can say is tough you're acting exactly like <laughs> the people there you know J- Jerry West is talked about how he's was thinking about suing them because he's portrayed as this nutty guy full of anger and I'm like well that's exactly what the Jerry West in the show would do what, what do you what, I don't understand <laughs> how this is a problem for anybody uh it it, it is incredibly funny uh writing wise it's uh the editing decisions and the look of the entire thing are deliberate and it may turn you off I would understand that Yes, I think it goes a hair. It's too cute for its own good on occasion. There are a couple throwy moments that I wish they'd just thrown away instead of keeping them in. But uh, that's a small price to pay for the sheer volume of great performances and entertaining dialogue and just enjoyable stuff you're going to see. It's, it's really great. I love how they put together about, there's at least eight, to nine characters who you really do know and you know them quickly uh, and you understand their motivations and nobody's an antagonist. That's the other thing I really love about it. There's not a bad guy here. There are people who are worse than other people, but they're not necessarily standing in the way of what we want these characters to achieve. If you want these characters to achieve them, you can absolutely root against these characters (laughs) and be fine. McKay's not going to have a problem with that. Uh, boy, and John C. Riley, after spending the last few years doing just the weirdest comedy out there, it's so nice to see him front and center on something where he gets to be as big and yet still as absolutely grounded as only he can do. Uh, there's a reason that John C. Riley is is starring in this as as dr. Bus and and uh, not Will Farrell, <laughs> as I've said many times. One of them's an actor <laughs> and and it, boy boys is this great.
0: I was gonna ask. I'm like, uh, is this uh, worth Adam McKay hurting his friendship with Will Ferrell? Because I'm yes. really hoping for a Step Brothers two one day. But uh.
1: <laughs> I like the. I, I so what was the interview recently? I, I heard Will Ferrell say something like, uh, "Yeah, we 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 dissolve the company because I just don't have any interest in having an empire. I don't want to work that hard.
0: I think I read that too." <laughs> You know what's funny? I, I love Adam McKay's movies. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of his comedies. I really liked uh, Don't Look Up and The Big Short. I don't think I saw Vice. I have not seen this or Succession, which is totally not planned and not for a lack of interest. I just have not seen these. They are very
1: different. I mean, obviously, I mean, he's, you can tell he's more hands-on on this. Like you could tell, this is his sensibility. I mean, it very much feels like a perfect fusion of uh, of Moneyball and The Big Short. That's okay. really entirely like in what it's the story it's telling and how he's telling it. That's what it is. Succession is very much the work of the guy who's the, who is the showrunner. You can see his fingerprints on it, but it's not. It doesn't feel as McKayish as this does. Yeah, uh, and, and yes, Chris. Oh, they're both highly recommended. Get 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 to them both. They are. They are worth the time.
0: I will add it. uh, Gosh. uh, I feel like there's so much good TV and Succession is just sitting there. But then I also know I'm like five seasons into The Sopranos and no seasons into The Wire. And
1: yeah, they'll all be there. (laughs) It's okay.
0: I I know they'll all be there, but eventually I won't be there. And uh... That that Beard. is the problem, but oh, I, I will. I haven't.
1: I, I I haven't come to that with myself yet. I'm okay. i think I'm going to have time for it all.
0: <laughs> I, I like living in the fantasy world. I'll be there. It's fine. I'll I'll have time. So so that's winning time, and I'm assuming that's on HBO Max. correct It is. It is. Chris, what have you been watching? Oh, just like you, I have several things I've been watching. Um, probably the most interesting is. Uh, I, I'm I, I'm so slow going through TVs as well. We'll get through in a little bit when it took me five months to watch uh, get back. But um, <laughs> I'm about, I'm about five or six episodes into the first season of severance on Apple TV plus, um, oh. which is, have you seen any of this show, Perry? I have not. I, it has just gotten the most glowing reviews. It is such a strange little show and so great. Um, It's it's not what I expected at all. It comes from Ben Stiller, but it is not like the comedy is very light. It's much more of a kind of sci fi type drama about a man who uh, is played by Adam Scott. He works at a company where the floor he works on, the workers can choose to have this operation called severance, which is when they go to work, some sensor activates and they forget their entire personality and memories outside of work (laughs) and so they're only this person who exists at work and then when they leave their audi as it's called um can't remember anything that happens at work um and and so it's like this whole idea of like work-life balance to the you know to the nth degree and of course if a company can have you forget what you do at work Mm -hmm. they're not going to put that to great use which is expected but what i didn't expect is this is a really like Deeply philosophical show in many ways, because there's this idea then that when you go to work, that's a whole different person. And if you were to quit your job, that person would die pretty much. Um, And and just these different ideas uh, that people are talking about now, with, you know, there's this whole great resignation going on. People are really tired of their jobs. And Mm -hmm. so it's something that's in the conversation, but it's, just so well designed, like a, like a, uh, sci-fi thriller from the seventies, just very minimal sets, uh, long white corridors. Uh, it's very suspenseful. Uh, the cast is great. Uh, Adam Scott, who I always like, um, John Turturro and Christopher Walken are in there and, uh, they have a, a really good subplot together that uh, I, I really enjoyed. Uh, Patricia Arquette is in it and she is fantastic. Um, yeah, this is just this is a one of those shows. Apple TV is like one of those streamers that I kind of raised my eyebrow at when it launched because they had no other shows on except for The Morning Show, which the less said the better. Um And then they just have (laughs) built this little library of original shows like Ted Lasso and Central Park and a whole host of other things. I know a lot of people really like For All Mankind as well. Uh, And this fits right in there. These these great little shows that they just they've devoted a lot of time and quality to. And it just the ideas this show plays with are very potent. And um, I recently took a job where I work fully remote and I just noticed what a stress was lifted when I never had to go back into an office. And you watch that show and you're like, oh, yeah, there is there is this weight that comes on when you try and balance these two lives. And the show plays with that. There's a little bit of a paranoia uh, theme to it. It's, it's really good. I can't say much because everything hinges on a, uh, uh, you know, on different surprises and reveals. But it, it is a really smart and thrilling little show that cast is fabulous they would have had me at the yes. at and i
1: honestly really like ben stiller as a he's a very good as director. A director and writer i i am and I, I i like the fact i read an interview when this came out where he talked about he basically admitted that zoolander 2 is terrible <laughs> uh and and said but you know it worked out it threw off I, I no longer am expected to make a blockbuster so i can do whatever i want <laughs> and more power to him if that's a, if that's the lesson you took for that. And then yes, at some point I guess I, I, I like to think with then that means I'm owed I should be able to watch Severance without having to pay for Apple. But this yes, because <laughs> I I did pay to see Zoolander too. Uh, so, but yes, I'm 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 happy for him. I would I very much want to see this. I love Adam Scott. I am I
0: am I am eager to get into this. It it's really good. Really good. Uh, what was another show you've been watching, Perry? I think there was one we were talking about a little bit.
1: Well we uh, I I I, I, I I hear that we're both, uh, we're, we're both into Barry.
0: I am very much into Barry.
1: Yes. (laughs) It's real good. It's real good. I, I am reserving judgment on this season. Just as of yet, I want to see where they're taking this. Uh, Not that it hasn't been good, but I, you know, I feel like the first two seasons were so perfectly conceived and executed. And this is very much the, the, these first four episodes feel very much like, you know, we're we are retrenching we are establishing again and so i am curious to see where that leads but yes uh yeah just incredibly entertaining stuff
0: oh yeah it's i I had forgotten how long ago that last season aired it was about three years and uh I, I loved it. I, there was a whole episode that was just a fight with a little girl that was Oh, that's too, Yeah. Oh, one of the funniest things I'd seen. It's one of the greatest directed television episodes you'll ever see. Oh, so Brilliant. good. But what this show does it that that I've never seen something do. You see shows all the time that kind of balance light and dark and, and, and have anti-heroes and stuff, but I've never seen a show balance it quite this well in the same moment where you're both tense and disturbed. And laughing, like just, especially anytime Anthony Kerrigan's on the screen. Uh, Such a fabulously entertaining, funny, funny performance. But also, Bill Hader has created a character who you somehow are able to watch him and want to see his story. But he's also a character who I am terrified of. Like, Barry is a character who I I don't even know if I like him. I like to watch Bill Hader play him. But it is a he he doesn't make you like the character he doesn't care if you no. like the character Agreed. they it
1: is the they they have learned the sopranos lesson which is mm-hmm. oh, every once in a while remind your audience how awful this character is yeah <laughs> don't don't let them fall in love with this character uh yeah i i agree with all of that I'm, Yeah. it's it is uh, that is that is probably my favorite thing about it is that it does not make any effort to have you like Barry. It does not make very sympathetic in the slightest. Uh, it doesn't doesn't go out of its way
0: to make you hate him, but the character's character is not likable. <laughs> yeah, and it reminds you he is a dangerous person, not just to like the people who cross him, like. The people he likes, the people he loves. He, yeah. He is scary, too. Um, I'm also a big fan of the uh, Fonzie Sons. Uh, I, I love Henry <laughs> Winkler in this. Um, but he's like, I've loved him even back with when he was making a comeback with Arrested Development and stuff like that. He's I, I love watching Henry Winkler. And uh, yes, for some of us, Henry Winkler never went away. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Stephen Root. I will always be happy to see Stephen Root. Anytime. Yeah, he's absolutely he's 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 he's
1: TV bacon. He's movie and TV baking, He makes everything better. <laughs> he he definitely Stephen Root's not great
0: in. He has like one scene in um, Macbeth uh, from last year where his pronunciation of the word urine had me laughing for about five <laughs> minutes. Uh, yeah, that's- Sarah Goldberg on this show
1: is doing this amazing high wire act of playing a character who is, you know, absolutely self-centered, as, as we like to pretend that all actors are, and most of them probably are, uh, but at the same time is actually a very good actress. And that's, that's like, it's, it's, it's much easier to do that first thing as if you make them a terrible actor, mm-hmm. but to accept that, yes, that's a part of, you know, that, that's going to play into being a very good actor. Uh, and especially in the first four episodes of this season, they are really hitting that hard. Uh, and doing it in a way that I, I she's she's carrying. I think she does more work on that show to make that character as, uh, I, I think she might have an even harder job than Barry in making that something we believe. Okay. Yeah. We, I, don't, I agree with that. we don't really know what, we don't really know what a hitman does or how they do what they do. Mm-hmm. We all kind of think we understand how to be a good actor and we, we we think we know we see good acting and not and they there is this wonderful thing where you, there the, there are these scenes where she just turns that on and is acting now still as Sally like <laughs> not, not not acting the part of Sally I'm not talking about the actress Sally is now acting in the world of Barry <laughs> and the switch that gets thrown is really remarkable and 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 very very special it's a a good it's a really good performance
0: yeah it's a great show i've only seen the first three episodes i think my plan is after we're done recording here it's monday night and i'm going to go down and watch last night's episode (laughs) and then i will follow it up with the next show i will talk about uh which is the final season of better call saul which is airing on amc and um are you a better call saul watcher so i've just Decided that I'm going to treat Better Call Saul
1: exactly like I treated uh, Breaking Bad, which is I will watch all of it like four years. Efforts over. Okay. I, I, I am sure I will love it. I have no doubt I will love it. But no, I didn't start watching it, and I was like that with Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad ended, and I watched it a few years later. Okay. Uh, I think it was one of the first things I watched when I got Netflix. Okay. Yeah,
0: that, was, uh, that was kind of so.
1: Ours. And and I think I think that's the way I'm going to do this too. I think.
0: It it might be a good one to watch all of them in one run. Um, I remember trying to do that with the first few seasons of Breaking Bad and feeling like I was going to have a panic attack. But, um, man, I think, I think Better Call Saul is an even better show than Breaking Bad. I, I love it. I, I think Bob Odenkirk has just proven himself to be a fantastic dramatic actor, um, which, you know, I, I don't think he really hinted much at in Breaking Bad, but... Man, he's running with that now, and he's constantly popping up in drama and action. But I'll just say, with this show, what it does is something I have seen very few shows or movies do, which is have a prequel with actual stakes and mystery to how things are going to turn out. Um, the thing I hate about prequels is knowing, you know, this got this has to end somewhere. It's going to lead up to this certain point, and. There's an element to that to better call Saul, but they have found a way to create characters who are just as good as anyone you met on breaking bad. It just is believable. And they tie so many emotional stakes into those characters yes. uh, that I, I don't know where it's going. And we have about, I think there's two episodes left this season or this first half of the season, and then six episodes. And I think it's done in July and I am terrified because i um, there, there's one character in particular where I'm like, I don't know what happens to them because they're not in the Breaking Bad world. And uh, I, I don't know what the show's doing. Um, and I will just say, Rhea Seahorn is giving the best performance on TV every week right now. She is fantastic as uh, Jimmy's friend and confidant and wife. Um, it, it's just such a great performance. And then, you know, everyone who is on Breaking Bad also fantastic Giancarlo right. Esposito uh Jonathan Banks all all great so I'm not saying anything any other critic isn't saying Better Call Saul is great I love it I'm loving this last season um even though I'll probably go through a uh, another bottle of Tums by the time the finale airs <laughs> well I, I would like to uh I, I would like to call your
1: greatest performance on television right now and raise you oh with one more show as well all right which, uh, a- another show that, that, yes, every critic on the planet adores, and, and I am one. Oh, Atlanta. Oh, Atlanta. <laughs> oh, Atlanta God. continues to be one of the absolute best things that you can watch. It is, uh, de- Donald Glover is out doing, he's, he's running circles around everybody. What? Uh, <sighs> You know, he's going to eventually, when he decides whatever movie he's going to make out Jordan Peele, Jordan Peele, <laughs> he's, he's got such a command over what it is he wants to accomplish and what he wants to say. And not that he's got an answer, just what he wants to have been said. Okay. <laughs> um and to do that in, in a year where they are really leaving. I remember an interview with the guys from South Park, uh, like a, a long time ago, maybe in the third or fourth year of the show, where they said, you know, we always hoped that South Park would get to the point where someone would say, well, I remember when it was about like four little third graders. <laughs> this is where Atlanta is. Atlanta's done at least half the episodes this season have not featured any of the main characters. Oh really? They're just telling these side stories that are all about the theme that he's dealing with this year, which is basically talking it's it's basically trying to project white people back at white people. It's really interesting. Mm. It's really interesting what he's doing thematically. But where I will raise you is LaKeith Stanfield
0: oh okay as
1: as darius is playing one of the all-time great cosmic mysteries (laughs) this is a fabulous performance week in and week out okay the weeks they're on week in and week out uh he is he is from another planet and it is glorious it is it is timing that no one else is doing. He has found some rhythm. It's like when we talked about Elliot Gould and the Long Goodbye. He is on he is a jazz musician on some other wavelength that everyone knows is brilliant and no one can quite go back and forth with him on.
0: <laughs> and it's fabulous. Oh, uh, is,
1: yeah, Atlanta, please, 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 Atlanta! If you're not watching, uh, Atlanta,
0: it is sitting in my Hulu queue. It has been <laughs> sitting there. For two years, probably since the last season went off the air, and I thought I should probably watch Atlanta. Um, God, and I'm gonna have to pull the, the trigger on that one soon because I, I there's
1: the no experience. reason
0: I haven't watched it. Um, I love Donald Glover. I and yeah, you tell me if, if you tell me Lakeith Stanfield is giving the best performance on TV, I'm going to believe you because yeah. he's fantastic. So, oh, there I will have is. to pull the pull the trigger on that one soon. <laughs> um, yeah, wow, a lot of good TV. Remember when we used to talk about movies on this podcast, <laughs> and we're going to again yeah, right going now. We're, we're actually going to combine this and talk about movies and TV, um, which which is great uh, because the lines blur these days. There's not much of a difference. Um, but no, we, we're going to move into talking about the Beatles now. And it's funny, I, we've been trying to, uh, we've been talking about this Beatles episode for a long time, like ever yeah. since Get Back released last Thanksgiving. And I, I know you and I had a few ideas for how we might do it. And it's totally on me that we didn't do any of those. Um, because this, this series took me forever to watch. I, I, I don't know what it, it, it's seven hours. It's three episodes. Uh, we'll get to whether I liked it in a bit, but spoiler, I did. Um, it, it was just, it, it was just for whatever reason I could only bring like every time I'd sit to watch it, I would have about 30 minutes and then I'd have to move on to something else. And that included being on a plane and downloading episodes on my tablet and then being like, oh, I got to turn it off now. Uh, or, you know, being sick in my room with COVID and being like, there's no excuse for me not to watch this, except. I can't focus like I can't can't keep my focus on it so um I literally finished this last night uh (laughs) sitting on the couch last night because I'm like I knew we're going to talk about this and I need to get through this and oh my gosh am I glad I did um but in the midst of this we had talked about also uh well we had just kind of talked about the fact that I hadn't seen Hard Day's Night um which is one of those ones that I've always wanted to get around to. Cause I, you know, I like the Beatles, but I'm not, I know you're a Beatle maniac. I um, am. Okay. I and am. I, I'm more of a casual admirer just because I came to them a lot later. I think I listened. I like you grow up and you hear the Beatles. You can't avoid them. Yeah. But it was like 2009 before I bought my first Beatles album. It was like when they remastered them. So I, I like the Beatles. I like them a lot, um, but I don't have the history. I don't have, you know, the, the trivia background, um, <laughs> but I, I always like them. So we kind of decided let's do Hard Day's Night and Get Back just so I could kind of cross both those off my list. But having finished Hard Day's Night and having finished Get Back, I find they're actually fascinating to think about together. Um, Mm -hmm. there's this site that I like called Real World Theology, R-E-E-L. And they used to do this series called If These Films Could Talk. And I actually, I wrote an entry for it once. And the whole idea behind it was they took two films and they just discussed them, like how they compared to each other and what they were saying thematically or about their subject or anything like that. Very similar to what the Next Picture Show podcast does. Um, And I really wish they were still doing that series Because Hard Day's Night and Get Back really are fascinating to watch close together. Um, You have one film that comes out just as the Beatles are breaking out in the US. And it shows these young guys who are full of energy and just just let free to do whatever silly thing they want on film in this just silly, fun, like joyful piece of work. And then you have at the other end this documentary of them just before everything kind of drifts apart where you get where you see they're just as talented they are just as focused but man does it feel like work uh you know it's a job for them and watching those both together was really fascinating um but perry as the beatles expert where do you want to start with this Oh, no, I'd like to continue. That's that's an absolutely
1: glorious place to uh, start. And I would actually I would I agree with everything you are saying that this is a brilliant way to 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 compare and contrast these two. But I'm going to argue that I think you're I think you're missing uh, I think you're missing some subtle subtext from A Hard Day's Night. Okay, that is. And yes, it is. A Hard Day's Night is absolutely cinematic Paxil for me. The first time I saw it, I was in college. I saw it for a class. And at one point, I literally screamed like a 14-year-old girl. <laughs> I could not help myself. It was such a wonderful experience. I, I adore A Hard Day's Night. A Hard Day's Night is my answer. You know That and Singing in the Rain are my answer for, I feel bad, what do I need to watch? It's one of those two. Mm-hmm. I, I will that. feel better after I watch one of those two movies. But A Hard Day's Night is has this... Very clear. It's almost not even subtext. It's text, but they they deal with it in really interesting ways. They're trapped in this celebrity, and that's and this is the Hardy's Night was made before they came to America. This was just how popular they were in Britain, in England. And you you know they are caged throughout the movie visually. Yes, <laughs> yes. Know, one of the most glory sequences is when they break out of the theater and just get to play in a yard. Mm-hmm there, you know, and you know the the last image of a hard day's night is you know photographs of the band being dropped down onto us the viewer that are autographed with fake autographs that they didn't actually put on the pictures <laughs> that they've set up throughout the movie you know this is a the movie is joyous and the music's wonderful and it's incredibly funny uh but it is you know there is this unavoidable not all this is great for us. Please understand. We're very happy you are there. We are very happy that we have this life because of you, but this life is not perfect for us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're
1: <laughs> right. an issue. and get back is what you see that that's that's it's still, you're seeing them ready at the point where they kind of don't want this life anymore. Yeah. As great as it still is. And I don't mean great in the terms of being famous. Great in terms of they are amazing together creatively (laughs) and that's what's that's that's the interesting juxtaposition for these two films that I think make them I had not thought about it this way before you brought this up and it's like yeah that's a great way to to put a frame around uh, around get back
0: well and it's interesting that you bring up that that idea that they were trapped because there is this kind of energy throughout a hard day's night that this should be I I don't I I don't like they they don't. They refuse to make a traditional movie, right? Like this yeah. is this is not a movie where there's a you know a plot like get them to the con. I mean, there's there's those elements there. Like, gotta get there. To the literally, is
1: a plot of get them to the concert. But, but yes, there but,
0: isn't. I understand what you're saying. Yes, but yeah, absolutely. it's it's these weird digressions of you know just surreal dialogue and, and just them just kind of being silly or the whole thread about Paul's grandpa, which is the fun it leads to my favorite movie moment in the whole movie which is just that split second when he pops up on the stage at the end which uh made me laugh so hard he's very clean but it it is this idea (laughs) it's this idea that it just feels like this idea like they don't want to make a traditional thing they don't want to play to a certain image they want to be make it their own thing yeah which it is so much fun to watch. It took me aback when I started watching it because I it was not what I expected. Like I, I think I knew it wasn't a straight documentary, but I, I think no, I not expected, at all. No, yeah. I, 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 so I didn't go in expecting that, but I, I think I went in expecting something a little more streamlined, and what I got was something more bonkers than I had. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's and a cartoon. I, I love that. It's yeah. a cartoon with
1: the incredible music, and like I said, with this not dark subtext just it doesn't let you forget that this is not easy there is no moment of quiet there is no moment to themselves yeah uh and that's that's great it was written uh, and it it is written it's absolutely there's Mm -hmm. a screenplay they didn't just make this up as they went along Uh, alan owen was a liverpudlian playwright who uh basically was hired to follow the band around for a week or two and then captured, you know, he he nailed their, you know, the their Marx Brothers equivalent attitudes and that's what he wrote for them. And it's it's easy to dismiss them all. You know, this is where we get, you know, Paul's the cute one, you know, John's the funny one. Uh but you know you watch get back and you realize, well he he got he got them. Yeah. yeah. That's, That's pretty much how they are. Because by the time they're doing Get Back, and to put, Leo, let's let's get some perspective on this. You know, Get Back was the attempt, that, the, after having done the White Album uh, and not having a, any real managerial positions since Brian Epstein died, they got the idea to go to Twickenham Studios, which is a movie theater. So it's a movie studio. Mm-hmm. It's, not a, it's not a recording studio. And uh, basically capture them creating new material that then they were going to go perform live because they had stopped playing live two years previously at that point uh and that's not what ends up happening well it is what ends up happening but not anything but not any any way they imagined by the time that started and so they do it's a fly on the wall documentary that and there were i forget how many hours of footage eventually got shot by michael lindsay hogg the director of the original intention for this mm-hmm. the original product that was intended from this is then yes there was going to be a film that accompanied the concert and accompanied the album uh and so you know when you're watching the footage in Quebec, back you're watching guys who okay yeah they knew they were being filmed but guess what they knew they'd been being filmed for about eight years straight now and you see them there's no reason to believe this is not how they are because there's nobody in their circle who they have to answer to. They only answer to each other and they talk to each other like people who work together for a long time do and have shared a very special bond and experiences that no one else will. (laughs) You know, it is, it is this wonderful sort of explanation of how good a hard day's night is (laughs) at capturing their basic personalities (laughs) in this very, in this very digestible uh, uh, uh boiled down form where this is you're seeing it, you're seeing a lot more of them warts and all and not that it's terribly warty I, I i this is this is why i was excited to talk about this with you and i'm i'm so happy that you went through all of it chris yeah i want to talk to somebody who doesn't know this well already mm-hmm. you know what is what is that like for you what do you i cannot fathom what someone who doesn't care obsessively about the beatles uh, how they take this in about <laughs> This works as a movie. If you don't have a vested interest in this, please tell
0: me. Yeah. So it's interesting because there was never a moment where I didn't realize how long it was. Um, And and there were a couple of moments where about halfway through the second episode, I was probably thinking, does it have to be this long? This is a lot of talking. This is a lot of back and forth. Um, But you get to the end of it, you get to that rooftop concert. And you realize, yeah, it had to be this long, Uh, you know, and I'll say like I like I said, I don't know a lot of the Beatles history. I I like the Beatles. I like their music, but it's always background driving around or something. But I do like watching creative people and I, I can't imagine anyone who has a creative bone in their body, not just being riveted to watching, you know, Paul McCartney come up with get back on the spot there. Yes. yes and and just being like what what the hell like he could just do that or th- the general concept if like i work on I, I i'm a project manager like that's part of my job and to <laughs> think uh-huh. to, th- to think that they sat there and were like yeah we have 3 weeks to write songs learn them and perform them and then to get to the point where 3 days before the concert they still aren't quite sure they have anything like that is that, that's a nightmare for me that that wakes me up in the middle of the night like literally <laughs> thinking about that stuff but yeah, then yeah but then you get to that concert at the end which I, i'll just say i had no like i knew they had performed an outdoor concert it was their last public appearance right like that's if, if you know much about the beatles you know what their last concert was i knew nothing about the context though oh yeah so i thought in my mind, it was always, they had decided it would be their last time performing. They would go up on the roof and play greatest hits melody. And that was it. Um, to know that this, this these were songs they made three weeks before, mm-hmm. this was originally supposed to eventually launch them back into touring, uh, the hope that they would get back out and tour down the road. Um, and, and that it really, you know, I don't want to say it was a publicity stunt. It wasn't, it was a recording part. But it oh, well, was a publicity stunt. But uh, but, the, <laughs> but the fact that it then still works as a fantastic concert because you see, because you've had six hours of watching them write these songs and argue about whether they should do this concert or not, or what version of this song is gonna <laughs> yeah. be great, you know, it's gonna be the best version, and then to see it nailed up there. Like, that is so fun to watch. Yeah. And then to see, like, I heard someone, the the buzz going into this, if anyone can remember back in late 2021 before this came out was, would this just be seven hours of the Beatles breaking up? And who wants to watch that? Uh, But I heard someone else say this, and I forget who it was. And uh, their, their comment was, no, this is seven hours of the Beatles trying to stay together, um, trying to find a way to keep doing this. Like, and you even have George Harrison quitting, but then near the end saying he's going to do his own album, because that's the way where he can have that outlet, but still give himself to the Beatles. Mm-hmm. And you see them on the roof, they play, and then that the titles come up that it's their last performance. Yeah. And that is a moving moment. That is a sad moment. Um, yeah. It, it it was fascinating to watch. It was, by the end of it, I can understand why people who have no interest in the Beatles would never want to watch this. I can understand why people who are fans of the Beatles love every single minute of this. And I think, but I, I think that the key is with people like me who are casual fans. It's like, yeah, I don't have seven hours necessarily to watch this, but I'm glad I did because you are seeing creative people pull something off that i couldn't do and you're watching them work together which is riveting Mm -hmm. you're watching them come up with art in front of your eyes but also it kind of it supports the myth or i don't want to say the myth that they're the best band in the world right (laughs) but it also shows they're not just uh you know everything is lightning in a bottle like they worked to pull that off like that's what i meant when i said this this makes it look like work this is them coming and working hard and you know you see the versions that fail you see the things that don't you know get on the album uh and that makes it all the richer I think
1: yeah you're seeing like whenever they get kind of stuck they just start playing an old song mm-hmm. and it just gets them it just keeps the juices on. I mean it's, there's a part where they play some of the theme from the Third Man. It's like wow, <laughs> just, they knew everything. They could play anything, and they would just start, and everybody would fall in. And it's why why this is interesting for. Uh, and now, I, I, if if you are interested, and this is a, this is a this is a really good thing for anybody who's interested in uh, in documentary filmmaking to do. Go back and watch Let It Be, the movie that originally came out of this footage, which was Michael Lindsay Hogg, who you see a lot of in mm. in, in Get Back. And as you can see, was in, in entirely over his head and had no idea what to do. And you can tell he was still quite bitter about the experience when he got around to editing the footage that became the original Let It Be, <laughs> which is two hours of the Beatles breaking up. There's some wonderful performances in it, but it's, you know, it's a film you can tell that nobody wants to finish yeah. nobody wanted to keep making it it is you know the album itself wasn't done at that point <laughs> the the movie if you don't know the beatles history the movie makes it seem like well yeah and then we recorded the album and that was the album it was great no <laughs> <laughs> they they continued to splinter and fall apart and they all regrouped to do heavy road and then after that they gave the footage over to Phil Spector to edit together all the audio because none of them wanted to listen to it anymore. (laughs) So it's still, it's it's a little bit of a lie if you don't know that history. But that said, it is this wonderful correction of the record that it wasn't all awful. It wasn't just them breaking up. It was them breaking up, but it wasn't just that. (laughs) They were still together. (laughs) And And so- it's great to see that, you know, that you will see the same fights in let it be in get back in a context that feels totally different because the yeah. mood is totally different and it's the same mood. It's the same footage. It's just the way it's put together. And that's a fascinating lesson
0: from a, from a filmmaking standpoint, to that's understand interesting. what story do you want to tell? Well, and you do feel this different and they remark on it too. Like that first half, uh, first out of three hours or so where they are at Twickenham and, and they're so miserable. They, they're, they're miserable. They're being forced into this thing. Uh, basically, it, it just feels like it, it feels like to me, like there is a movie director who wants everything to get together for this one big concert at the end that he wants to have in like Africa with. uh yes to do torches and they're all like no one wants to do that they don't want to do that and then there is just a change in tone when they go to the apple studios and uh it's so much more fun to watch them like they're just looser they're playing more um and that was fun to watch uh one thing i kept coming back to when i was watching this last night and uh Mm -hmm. getting to that rooftop concert which i i wish i would have actually gone to see an imax that would have been really fun yeah Um, i would i would have loved to have done that but uh you compare that also to the final concert in hard days night, which is (laughs) really, you know, that, that one is, I think, I think Roger Ebert called that one orgasmic. Like it is them just surrounded by throngs of screaming girls and just, you know, just this riot atmosphere. And and he contrasts that with years later, it's there. Most people can't even see them and they're just playing on this roof and Some people don't even know who's playing and it it, it was just really fascinating. Um, I I don't really like there was a reason they stopped playing right They, they did not like touring correct.
1: Yes. Well, yeah. The, the the last show, the last live show was at Candlestick Park in 60, I want to say 66, maybe it was 65, but I think it was 66. Okay. Uh, and yeah, basically they were exhausted
0: because mm-hmm.
1: they'd been releasing basically two albums a year and were on the road when they weren't in the studio and they'd made more than enough money. It was like, we're going to stop now. We're going to stop touring now. And that was, you know, the, you know, it's hard to not sound like the idiot fanboy I am, but, you know, the Beatles started all of this. There weren't rock tours before the Beatles did them. And people are still following the template that the Beatles did of you know, going from city to city and having to book theaters. And no, no band had ever stopped <laughs> touring. What is that going to look like? You know, the result was we got in quick order, Rubber Soul Revolver and Sgt. Pepper. So, you know, the plan worked. <laughs> um, And What is amazing to me from someone who has, you know, has loved the Beatles long enough to have a very sort of cemented opinion about what all of them were and how the dynamic worked to see this much footage, the most startling thing was, and I think it happens at the beginning of the second episode after George has his meltdown, going to walk off Mm -hmm. moment. um, We spend that's, that feels like in my memory, and I watched it a while ago, but it has to be at least 20 minutes of, you know, Paul's the first one to show up the next day. And Paul talks and understands exactly what's happening. Paul is an absolute emotional command of the situation. Uh-huh. His emotional intelligence is off the roof. He knows, he understands everything that's happened, why it's happening. And what needs to happen for them to come back together. You know, there's a reason he was he there's a reason he ascended to the leadership position after Brian Epstein died from a business standpoint. I'm not talking about a creative standpoint. Mm -hmm. There's a reason he tried to lead this wagon because nobody else would. It's a fight they have in the movie. I'm not spoiling anything. (laughs) That's obviously the dynamic. Anybody knows this who cares at all knows this is the dynamic. But to understand that it happened because Paul was the only one capable of it, not because he was ambitious not because he wanted the Beatles to stay because he couldn't imagine without them, just because he loved this and wanted to keep doing it. Yeah. And saw that this is what was going to have to happen. And you can see in those moments in that section of the film how much he understands how it might not work. He might not be able to keep this together. It's fantastic. And it's not heartbreaking. It's just this wonderful, it is the best possible version of what a cinema verite documentary can be you're you are you they captured him <laughs> you <laughs> he, you know paul's so well in that moment and understand
0: why if you love late period Beatles, you owe paul everything <laughs> the, there was a part and someone may have said this before but i i definitely thought this there there, there were some portions where i felt like flashbacks to college watching uh, paul mccartney in this <laughs> just being like i'm in a grouped project group project i know we have to get this done How the hell are we going to get this done? Because one guy's not showing up and the other guy's goofing around. And uh, it it, it was so like, it it humanizes them in a way, in a way. Oh, very much. So I recognize these guys. I do have to say just my personality. I feel like if I was in a room with John Lennon, I would like go crazy within five minutes. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) He, he is goofy. (laughs) John was
1: the other, the other great thing, and this has been talked about. This is not. I, I'm making no grand uh, insight here. It, the other great thing about it is to see how much John and Paul loved each other. Mm-hmm. You get to see it, and that footage doesn't. You know, John would, John was sardonic if the camera was on, meaning when he knew he was being filmed for something. You know, they they didn't care anymore about this camera. It feels like you really get to see what it was like day in and day out for them they're not performing for that camera and you know there are moments where you could see john just beam when, when paul does something unexpected and great and you you can see paul wants to get the very best out of everybody in that room yeah uh, and you can see how much they all love ringo yes <laughs> it's the other great you know the other the, during the making of the white album which is predates this stuff one of the great stories about the White Album. And they were supposedly, you know, fighting the point of breaking up then. It got so miserable that Ringo quit. Ringo left the band. Ringo went, left the recording studio and was away for days. And, and at that point, the legend goes, and I believe this, that, you know, George and John and Paul said, I went, oh, hell we didn't mean to alienate Ringo <laughs> and like sent him flowers and chocolates and said, please come back. And he did. And then they finished the album in relative peace. That's, you know, that's to understand that dynamic, to see it, to see Ringo, you know, He also quits in hard days. Hands off his daughter. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> when he's the one who can't take it, the others know, yeah. Oh, this is bad. We should bring this back together. R- Ringo's the only one we all like all the time, <laughs> which is true. That was the dynamic. Um, it's wonderful. It's, it's absolutely, you know, what creatively, this is an incredible documentary to watch the creative process. I mean, and to watch what you can do with this much footage Yeah, uh, to understand the emotional dynamic of this band. And I'm curious how it plays. If you don't know the Beatles, I would like to think it would that you would get an idea of what all these guys bring to this. Even if you don't care or know that much about them, I'm curious how that plays but it, you're right. It's impossible to make anybody sit down for, for seven hours. Just yeah, to, I can say that out. And really, this is only in three parts because that's what television is supposed to be. Yeah. You are supposed to watch this in one sitting. You really are. It's yeah, not it was... cut for any other
0: purpose. It's not episodic. It was originally even going to be like a two or three hour movie. And then like Peter Jackson has never met anything. He can't make longer. Make bigger. <laughs> and and, and this, the, this is probably... The best use of that uh, personality yep. in him um, You better believe it, my friend. It, it, it is funny. You bring that up. Like, my wife is kind of uh, lukewarm on the Beatles. Like, okay. okay, but she's not, you know. And I remember she would she would see me watching it. She's like, are they just sitting there talking the whole time? I'm like, well, yeah, except when they're playing music. Well, how often is that? I'm like, not, not too much. But, <laughs> you know, I, I'm like, but when it is, it's really great. But when they're talking, it's really great. But yeah. I'm like, you have to be able to get on its wavelength. Um, You know, I, I I don't know. It would be interesting to see how someone with no, no knowledge of it at all would, uh, would take to it. I I mean, I do remember back when the Beatles anthology came out, um, (laughs) you know, kids my age, I didn't watch it, but I remember my cousin knew nothing about the Beatles and suddenly became obsessed watching that, Um, you know, and, i'd like to think they are still a group that people stumble on like young people still stumble on they're like oh no they were great um so maybe maybe that's also happened on disney plus i mean that's on the world's maybe not the biggest streaming platform but right now the most in-demand streaming platform and um you know i would go out on a limb and say it's probably the best thing on disney plus um
1: oh i have no problem
0: saying that yes (laughs) yes I I mean, I'm
1: very comfortable with that sentence.
0: I I mean, it's yeah. And that's what you can do with the street. You couldn't put six hours of this in the theaters. Um, I I don't know that anyone would show up for that, except the most diehard fans, but you can easily put it on a streaming service and it's there for the fans. And yeah. And then, yeah, you get people talking, you can say, well, the rooftop concert's only an hour long. We're going to put that in the IMAX one weekend. Then that that's all great. what I'm trying to say is I think, Peter Jackson is forgiven for the Hobbit. And it was, uh, yes, you know, or it, for, or for trying to convince us that film should be seen at 48 frames a second. Oh my yes. God. Yeah. Oh, that's man. now well, <laughs> James Cameron's going to try that later this year. So. Yeah, He's going to try. Oh God. <laughs> uh. <laughs> that reminds me though, that Peter Jackson also did the world war one documentary a few years yeah. back, which I haven't seen, but I've been meaning to see because I heard that was fantastic too. And, Maybe that's where he needs to be focusing some of his efforts. I I love this idea that I I get to love the early Peter Jackson
1: films. I get to hate the middle period Peter Jackson films. And now (laughs) he's going to come back in the
0: spirit where I get to love Peter Jackson films again. (laughs) See, One day you'll come right back around. One day you'll come right back around. You will love the Lovely Bones. (laughs) (laughs) I don't blame him. That's not even
1: what I was thinking about. I don't even hate the Lovely Bones. It's just a weird, not quite there... He's the, he was the right I, you know, that's a fascinating misfire. Like that's a film that is the absolute right director for that book. He really was, but I don't, that movie just doesn't. It doesn't get the book right. I don't know that it's his fault. Maybe you just can't. Maybe you can't. It's just
0: um, too, it's just too ephemeral a book. Nice little bit of symmetry though, is I do happen to really like his first Lord of the Rings movies, that first trilogy, Um which, of course, the Lord of the Rings was almost made into a movie starring the Beatles the Beatles.: Absolutely. Which would have been interesting. Yes, uh, and in case you need some sort of
1: cinematic, you know oomph to go see this, Peter Sellers cameo. Peter Sellers shows up in the studio for a while. Yes, he does.
0: Come on. Um, One movie that I thought would have been an interesting thing if I had thought of it to say, oh, we should discuss this, too, um, because it would have made an interesting discussion of the entire arc of the Beatles career. Do you remember Ron Howard's documentary from a few years ago on the touring years? Uh, You know, I never watched it.
1: I I could. It's sitting there. I could. I will tell you the best thing about that is the Live at the Hollywood Bowl album that came out about it. Not about it, but at that time is outstanding and and that's that's all I needed from that time period okay one great actual audio recording of the Beatles live in the in the in the early (laughs) mid-60s to understand what that was like I you can just listen to that 35 minutes and get I'm sure everything you're going to get out of that Ron Howard done
0: yeah even watching it because I saw it years ago um and, so, and I remember so much that I couldn't even remember why they quit touring, which is covered in the movie. But, um, you know, I, I think if you're someone who knows a lot about the Beatles, my guess is even then I knew, oh, they wouldn't get anything out of this. It was interesting for me. Um, but really, the only thing I remember is a crowd shot that they got, I think, at that Hollywood Bowl concert. And uh, it's this young girl in the crowd and it's Sigourney Weaver. Oh, cool. So, Very yeah. Good. Do we have anything else to say about the Beatles this week? Uh, I mean this week, probably, this week, no, I'm sh- probably not. We've probably covered this. We've probably
1: talked about the Beatles enough this week. Yeah, okay,
0: yeah, we'll talk about them more next week <laughs> when our uh, when our movie of the week in two weeks is yesterday is uh, help and yellow submarine. We're just gonna uh, hit the other two and <laughs> actually, it's a double feature of yesterday, and I am Sam. so. <laughs>
1: Oof. <laughs> hey, the, the I am Sam soundtrack is very good. It is nothing but Beatle covers. Okay. And there are many of them I, are I, very I that, good. But... Most especially, and this 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 will bring up full circle. Uh Two of Us is one of my very favorite Lennon McCartney songs. It's it's on Let It Be. You you hear them working on it throughout Get Back. There is an absolutely beautiful cover of it by Michael Penn and Amy Mann on the I am Sam soundtrack. It's it's okay. really good. And I I recommend it highly.
0: I will say, in closing, the one thing that uh, Get Back made me realize is I need to go listen to more Beatles um, and listen to them more often because <laughs> it is fun just to sit and listen to them all jam through that, and you just realize, God, they made so many good songs. Uh, they really, they did.
1: Yeah. They did. yeah so <laughs> they did. There's there is not a
0: bad Beatles album.
1: It doesn't it doesn't
0: exist. There are some that are better than others, but there's not a bad one. <laughs> So do we have I think yeah we covered the Beatles. Um we covered the Beatles. Um so I don't want to make any promises that we'll be back in two weeks, but we'll try and be back in like two-ish weeks. Uh to continue our Robert Altman discussion Yes, with Nashville, uh, which is a big one. It is a big one. It is it's a big one. So <laughs> it, it is three hours and it is country music, not rock and roll. I am looking forward to this one. Um I also saw that Brewster McCloud is on HBO Max, or at least it was last week. It
1: month. is; it's still there. Yes, uh,
0: give it a give it a watch. I, I don't know that we'll I don't know that we'll talk about it, but maybe we'll talk about it in passing, possibly. All right. Well, Perry. In the meantime, where can people find you? You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter at Perry Loves Film.
1: You can hear me every Friday morning on the Lucy and Lance Show on WLBY in Ann Arbor, and you can hear me right here I hope every other
0: week. I'm hoping so too. Uh, we'll, we'll keep Where can we you read we'll keep... your stuff, Chris? Oh, you can you can find me at a number of different places, Perry. Uh, I have started writing reviews for Cinema Nerds with our uh, with our buddy Mike Turkis. Um, So you can go there, and about every week I have a review up. Um, so right now, if you went there, you would see, for instance, uh, me trashing Firestarter, which is terrible, and uh, <laughs> but also my thoughts on Chippendale Rescue Rangers should be up by the time this goes live, which is much more interesting than uh, I, I would have anticipated. You can subscribe to my newsletter, Criticisms. I talked about how I endured the View of Universe movies for you guys. Um, but we are done with that series on Fridays. Uh, my Franchise Fridays is actually going to be tackling the two movies in the Raid series uh, over the next few weeks, which I really like. Also hoping to post up some thoughts on Top Gun, which I did a revisit of, and uh, it's not good. Um, <laughs> Uh So you went into the danger zone. I went into the, no, I went to go. I was playing with the boys, Barry. (laughs) It It takes my breath away. It did not. (laughs) (laughs) Don't forget July 21st. You can come see us at the Maple Theater for Secret Cinema. We'll have even more details the next time you hear us. Perry, until then, I uh, will see you. Let's not break up.